0: To be home. I just want to start. I just wanted to talk with you guys just for a few minutes before I start sharing the word that the Lord has given me this morning. That everywhere I go, I think of you guys every Sunday morning. Where, no matter where I'm preaching around the world, no matter where I am, you guys are in my heart. I always say a prayer for you. Lots of times I'm texting Jade. I miss you guys. I love you. Have a great service. And so it's so awesome to be here. And you know, this is my second. Sunday to be here since January 12th. And so uh, when I got home on Monday, it was this this week, it was the first time I've fully unpacked my suitcase since January 12th. And so I'm home until Friday. Yes. And so it is so awesome to be here and to be able to share with you guys. I love you. I love Antioch. It is incredible to be a part of a house that loves the Lord and is sold out to God and that loves each other. Amen. So I am so glad to be here. And I'm excited to share this morning. Now, uh, I did text Jade, you know, actually what I'm going to teach on this morning is honor. And the Lord has been stirring this message in me for many years. I've been teaching some of this as I have traveled uh, this year. I've only He's allowed me to teach it in a couple of places. And uh, Jade was like, "You go where the Lord tells you to go. You be you. Uh, No, you know, just do whatever the Lord is telling you to do. Because if I'm going to teach on honor, I can't teach on honor if I don't check with the authority of the house and make sure He's okay with me to teach on honor, right? Because that's part of honor. And so. uh, Um, I know he had originally, when he texted me, he said, whatever the Lord is saying, if you want to finish the prophetic message, and I'm going to tie some of those ideas into this message as well. But as I've been interceding and praying, this is what the Lord laid on my heart. And I love God. He's amazing because David said in the pre-service prayer and Flora was saying that this is where you guys were in intercession this morning as well, right? Uh, you see, God's good. He knows. This is fun, the part of the fun of being prophetic, right? You know, And so um, I'm gonna open us in prayer and then I'm gonna dive into the word of God. Sound good? So Lord, I thank you for this house. Lord, I thank you for our family. Lord, I thank you for these awesome men and women of God. Lord, I thank you that your promises for each of us, for this house, for the city and region are yes and amen. God, we just thank you, Holy Spirit, that your presence will come. Everything that you want me to share this morning will be shared, that we will leave encouraged, we will leave empowered, Lord, that we will leave excited about what you are doing in the kingdom of God. Jesus, we love you. Lord, we give you all the glory and honor and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I'm gonna give, and y'all don't mind, I've done this here before, but some of you are new. But sometimes I preach barefoot. How many of you will that offend? Will that offend you? Okay, I can cast out the religious spirit anyway. (laughs) So... Right, Bill? We can take care of that. <laughs> so woohoo, yay, all right. I will preach much better, trust me. It's Asia's fault, it really is. When I went to Korea and I teach at WLI there and all those churches, they don't, want you, you don't, they don't want you on the stage with your shoes and so they have slippers up there and I move so much and they have hardwood floors that I start sliding everywhere. So then they let me preach barefoot and so now everywhere I go, I really wanna really take my shoes off, I do much better. All right. And so anyway, it's Asia's fault, which is a blessing. But you know, I wanted to say this. I felt like an intercession. Before I jump into the teaching, some of you here uh, might need to hear this because I know when I was sharing at the beginning of this year about the prophetic word of the Lord for 2014, we talked about suddenlies, right? And that God was gonna cause us to have a year of suddenlies. How many of you have already had some suddenlies? Yeah, we have too. How many of you have had suddenlies that have been really good? And then, so how many of you've also had suddenlies that you're like, uh, I wasn't expecting that, yeah? All right, so I wanted just to say this word concerning the prophetic uh, word that I gave at the beginning of the year and just to kind of be a mom in the prophetic. You know, sometimes suddenlies do not always come in the package that we think they're gonna come in, All right. And um, sometimes they look like a door shutting. Sometimes they might, might throw us into a transition we weren't expecting. Sometimes even suddenlies might cause a little bit of a twinge of pain, but the reality is many times what God will do is he has to shut one door completely in order for the next door to form for us to walk through in that suddenly, amen? And so I just wanted to release that encouragement. I haven't, you know, I don't know But I just sensed an intercession. There were some of you that were facing suddenlies that you weren't expecting to face in the way you're facing them. And I wanted to release a word of encouragement from the Lord that when He shuts one door, He will open another door. And as you faithfully walk through that shutting of the door, and I don't know who this is for, I feel like it's for several people. But when you faithfully walk through the shutting of that door, God will open up another one. And it'll be in that transition as As you walk through, it actually will be a season of preparation and also a suddenly of promotion. Amen? All right. So I just felt like I needed to release that word of encouragement. I believe that goes for several people here. I don't know who, but there you go. All right? So I want us to look. I'm going to talk about tending the culture of honor. And so I'm going to start uh, with the verse of 2 John 8, and I'm going to refer to several scriptures uh, this morning in Bible stories, but I don't want you to feel like you're on a Bible drill, because we're going to be doing a lot of storytelling by Becca Greenwood this morning, and I'll give you the scripture references. But it says in Second John 8, it says, "'Look to yourselves that we do not lose those things we worked for, but that we may receive a full reward.'" And so I want to start, as I start talking about honor, I want to establish the truth of this scripture before we actually start honing in about what is honor, what is a life of honor, what is a culture of honor, all right? And so when John was writing these words, you know, he was looking back at over literally a century of living and ministry. That is a long time, right? So he had, I mean, he literally had seen a century of things, almost a century of things occur uh, within his life and within the body of Christ. So we can imagine that he was speaking from a great place of wisdom and understanding. And so he had the wisdom of years and he was walking in what I'm gonna call, we can say a mother or father, or we can say a grandmother or grandfather of the faith. And so he had this ability to speak things that he had learned along the way, right? How many of you know wisdom comes with age, yes? All right, Greg and I have had the privilege as many of you have in this room, to walk with people who have walked with the Lord for many years. And so we've been able to glean, and I'm going to get real personal in this message. I'm going to share a lot of how much, depending on how much time, you know, I have to share this, a lot of my personal testimony of things that I have walked through, of how the Lord has shown Greg and I, and how we have learned how to walk in a culture of honor. And so we have had the privilege of gleaning from great leaders in the body of Christ for many years. And you know, they all have something in common, all right? All of them do. It's like a common thread that you'll see with them. When these uh, leaders look back, they have a lot of wisdom, all right? And so when they do, they have the following attributes. You ready? (laughs) They quickly are able to identify and look to the heart of the matter. All right? They don't waste time on things that are not important. They're very able to look at the heart of the matter very quickly and identify it. All right? So, you know, they want to cut to the chase. All right? They will number 2, they say much with few words. <laughs> and so they're able to relay things in a way without a lot of words. Number 3, the, when they the words they use are very weighty. They carry weight, they carry nuggets of gold, they carry wisdom. And so I know many of you know that Greg and I, uh, just like, Tommy and Ralph and Bill and Sylvie are aligned with Peter and Doris Wagner. And so they are like our spiritual alignment, our mother and father. And so they speak into our lives on a very regular basis. Now, how many of you know that know me personally, Becca can be feisty, right? Yeah. And so, so, which is a good thing, you know, when it's flowing in the spirit, right, Bill? And so, but you know, there are so many times and I have been with Peter and Doris in a meeting and there have been things that have been said or I'll hear something and I'll be sitting next to them and they know me so well because I was also their like right-hand person and assistant and helped them run Global Harvest for two years and so they know me very well, right? And so, um, you know, Peter could feel this rising up in me, something like, "Mm," you know, that feisty thing. And I'll literally hear him say, choose your battles wisely. That's not your battle. Don't pick that up. And so there is this voice that, that I have in my mind, not only a the Lord, but of Peter Wagner, right? And so even recently, we were in a meeting together. And someone shared something with me and we were walking off. I'm like, why do people do that? You know, I just, ah. and he looked at me, he goes, I've been talking to you about choosing your battles wisely. Let it go. That's not your thing. Don't even think about it. Don't even focus on it. I'm like, Woof, yes, sir, right? And so here we have this voice, this voice of wisdom that's speaking into our lives. We were fortunate to have mentors in Eddie and Alice Smith. And friends, I, I can't tell you uh, how... We, thankful Greg and I are for that relationship and the wisdom they had even when they were our mentors. Because you know, from the very beginning of walking with him, we began to hear this phrase. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about the kingdom of God. And so from the age of 23, 24, 25 and beyond, this is the theme that we hear. God loves you. He wants you whole. He wants us free. He wants us in that place. But he also wants to come to a place where we're focusing on him and his kingdom. Everybody agree? Amen? You know, I'll never forget one of the last... Um... Things you know, I've, I've shared what happened here in some of my testimony when I've taught about my father, and um, that when he was in the hospital the last week of his life, you know sometimes the doctors didn't do what I felt like they should have done, right? So the feisty side of Becca started uh, to rise up, and I thought that my father had drifted off to sleep, <laughs> um, and so is <laughs> this doctor came in, and my sister and I were talking to him, and you know you love your dad, you love your parents, so you're going to get feisty, you know. Some sometimes, or want to feel like you want the best for them like they do for us. I didn't think this doctor was doing what the doctor was supposed to do, so I proceeded to tell the doctor that, and this was about, oh gosh, six years ago, and, um, and so I was, and, and I finished talking to this doctor, and he's like, no, we're going to do this, this, and this, and I said, no, you're going to do this, this, and this, and you're going to do this by tomorrow, you know, and I thought my dad was asleep, and the doctor walked out <laughs> from my father's bed. He said, Becca, I said, oh, dad, I thought you were asleep. He said, no, I'm just resting my eyes. He said, discretion is the better part of valor, darling. Sometimes it's just better not to say anything at all. And I was like, oh, (laughs) yeah." even there in the hospital, he was still dad, right? Now, my dad was very loving and encouraging, but he was taking every moment he could that, that week to speak wisdom into my life, Amen. And so, you know, all of us have had experiences like that. You know, I know that uh, Bill uh, knew them very well. Um, I'll never forget one time I spoke at an event um, here in Colorado where Steve Hill was also speaking. And just that encounter with him for those three days so impacted my life. And he sat at a table and he began, and I, I was trying not to be rude. Um, any of you, and I know Bill would attest to this, if you saw his eyes very close, it's hard not to look um, at his eyes because of the anointing that he would carry, right? And so, um, and they just, literally, it's like you just saw the love of the Lord in his eyes, and I was trying not to be rude, and, and I was talking to him, and he was talking to me, and I kept looking at his eyes and staring at his eyes, and I kept doing this, and finally he said, I know it's my eyes, right? I said, yes, you know, and he he tears started to roll down his face, and he said, do you know that I don't know what God has done with my eyes, but literally I can walk down the street and people will see the love of Jesus in my eyes, and they'll come up to me, and they'll say, Who is that God that you serve? I have to know who he is. And he'll lead people to the Lord. And he shared this and I began to weep. And you know, and from that time I said, Lord, let people see you in my eyes. Amen. Just gleaning and hearing words like this. I could just keep going on and on of things that we have gleaned. And so And when, and I'm going to get to this scripture, when we are walking in honor, you know, the Lord wants us to look at ourselves. So what does it mean in this scripture, 2 John 8, to look at ourselves? It literally means that we are to take heed, that we are to examine ourselves, that we are to watch out for ourselves. And so careful attention must be paid so we don't lose what we have labored for. Now, God is a God of grace and mercy, all right? I want to say that right here. But God also will take us into times where we will have life-defining moments, right? How many of you have had life-defining moments, right? We all do. And when we are in these life-defining moments, you know, the Lord wants us to maneuver in such a way that we can receive the fullness of the reward of what God wants to give to us. And so when we are in these seasons, we do not merely want to obey God, we want to capture his heart. And so when God has us in life-defining moments, he wants us to be obedient, but in that place, he wants us to fully capture his heart in that moment. God, what is it that you're wanting to show me? What is it that you're wanting to teach me? Lord, let me not only be obedient, but let me fully capture your heart in the midst of this situation. So when we are going through these life-defining moments, we want to respond in a way that we can learn everything that God wants us to learn. How many of you know God is a rewarder? Yeah? I'm going to read to you three scriptures before we really start diving into how this applies to honor. Um, Hebrews 11:6, And it says, And without faith... It is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and that He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. Isn't that an awesome scripture? I love this one. Uh, Genesis 15:1, he told Abraham he was his exceedingly great reward. God is our exceedingly great reward. One more scripture. Y'all feel like you're in a Bible drill? <laughs> Psalm 57 2. And if you notice, I've got my real teacher's hat on tonight. Today. Not tonight. Where am I? It's morning. All right. Psalm 57 2. I will cry to God most high who performs on my behalf and who rewards me. And then the Amplified goes on to say, who brings to pass his purposes for me and surely completes them. Isn't God awesome? He's faithful to complete what he has begun in our lives. And I know for you guys, just like me, when I get before the Lord, I want him to say, well done, good and faithful servant. Amen? I wanna get to that place when we get into eternity. Sometimes, guys, we'll see the fullness of reward while we're here. And sometimes we see the fullness of reward when we're in eternity. Or sometimes we'll see the fullness of reward in future generations. Just as you were talking about the giving, that we're plowing the way even. Even for future generations, and so you know, what does all this have to do with honor? Let's start tying it together. The Greek word for honor is t. It's pronounced. It's actually spelled like time. T i m e, but it's pronounced timi. and it literally means that we value something. So when we honor something, we value it. It is precious to us. I love this. It's weighty. It's such as gold. So when we honor something, when we honor someone, when we honor our brothers and sisters, it is valuable, it's precious, it is as weighty as gold to us. And so uh, 1 Samuel 2.30, here's another scripture. It says, those who honor me will be honored and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. And I'm gonna turn to one more scripture. John 13:20 It says those who receive which also is the same word that can be interchangeable for honor those who receive or honor me receives and honors the one who sent me and we know that Jesus is talking about this right so when we honor Jesus who are we honoring our father God when we honor the holy spirit who are we honoring we're honoring God, right? And so when we receive Jesus, when we receive the fullness of Jesus, and we walk in a lifestyle of honor, it is a reflection of us honoring God. You know, there, the kingdom of God, I hope that you're okay with this statement, it's not a democracy. It's a kingdom. It's not a democracy. We don't get to vote. We don't get to decide how does this kingdom function. God already has the whole thing laid out for us, right? He is the king of that kingdom. And so he has kingdom principles that he has set up for us. Everybody agree? So let's start, let's start getting into script, some scriptural examples. And I'm not going to read all these. I'm going to paraphrase by Becca Greenwood. All right? But Numbers 13 and 14. Here we see, um, this is when the children of Israel had been released out of Egypt, right? And so God had promised them the promised land. And so in Numbers 13 and 14, and there is a whole lot that can be impacted in this, but here in this scripture, God sent those 12 spies, right? He sent them out to spy out the land of the promised land that God had already given to them. How many of you know that each of you have a promised land? Yes, we each have an inheritance. We each have a promised land. Now we know that they got there and they saw the army, the, the, the battle that they would be coming up against, and it intimidated them, not Joshua and Caleb, but it did, it did the rest of them. So they came back and they started talking. And when they started, those that were afraid, they started talking and people started talking and murmuring, right? And then what happened is not only were they talking and murmuring, but then they didn't wanna go in and take possession of the promised land that God was giving them. Do you know when you read that scripture and I was up, the Lord had me up in the middle of the night and this amazed me. I was like, God, I've read this a thousand times. And you read again, it's like, ah. Oh. They literally got to such a place of not wanting to take that promised land that the children of Israel were contemplating stoning Moses and Aaron and Joshua and Caleb. I'm gonna stone the leaders that God has brought to us to deliver us out of Egypt and take us into the promised land. And do you know what happened? God told Moses, let me wipe them out. Wow, right? And then what did Moses say? No, God, and he began to intercede. Everybody say, intercession, (laughs) There is power in prayer. There is power in intercession. And he began to intercede. And as he began to intercede and he began to cry out for the children of Israel, the Lord said, okay. He said, and he literally told Moses, I can create a whole other nation through you. He said, I can, we'll just start over with you. That's what he told him. And he began to intercede. And as he did, the Lord relented and he said, okay, but this generation will wander for 40 years in the wilderness and the next generation will be the ones that will inherit the promised land of Canaan. And he ensured that Caleb, because he wasn't fearful and he wanted to step in to what God was giving him, that Caleb and Joshua, they would go back in and they would be able, to take with the next generation that promised land. See, what happened is they didn't honor the possession God was giving them. They allowed fear. They allowed concern of the battle to come in. And then they started murmuring and complaining. And when they did that, they were dishonoring God. They were dishonoring the inheritance that he was giving them. Then not only that, they were dishonoring the leaders that God had placed over them to lead them into the promised land. Therefore, they were dishonoring God. And so what happens is, and I am gonna say this, this will just uh, throw a little statement in here. If we fear, guys, and I know this group doesn't, but if we fear, uh, take you know, coming against giants, if there is a fear in us to come against giants where God has positioned us, then we don't, re- we will not receive the fullness of the inheritance that God has for us. And if we want the fullness of inheritance that God has for us, we will have to come against giants. Everybody, all right. <laughs> In order to receive the fullness of the inheritance that God has for us, we have to learn to overcome giants and to do so with honor. Now, that's a scriptural example where people didn't follow honor. You want to see one that did. Let's get, let's get in a good place, right? So Mark 7, this is about the Syrian Phoenician woman. And she had uh, the daughter that uh, needed to be set free from a demon, right? So we're going to paraphrase this again by Becca Greenwood. Here, she comes into this meeting with the Lord, and she wants Jesus to set her daughter free from the torment of this demon. And you can read all of Mark 7. But in verse 27, Jesus responded. He said, first, let the children eat all they want for it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to their dogs. Now, that doesn't sound very uplifting, does it? And I talk about this in my book, Breaking the Bonds of Evil. Actually, the term that the Lord used here was the same term that's used for like a house pet. Usually when they used to talk about Jews, Jews used to talk about Gentiles, they would actually use a term that meant like scavenger dogs. But in this setting, the Lord was using a term like a house pet, like a house dog. You know, we have two dogs and I probably have talked about him before. Buddy Boy is the best dog ever. We adopted him from the Humane Society. I love that dog. Gracie Girl, every time we say her name, we are prophesying over her because she is not full of grace. All right? And so, yeah, she is stretching our faith in the prophetic because we are prophesying Gracie, grace over her all the time because the dog does not act like grace. All right? And so, but the reality is what the Lord was, he was even showing a term of affection, but it was still the term for a dog, right? And so, and nowadays, what would you do? What if we went up to a leader? Let's put it in commonplace, right? We go up to a leader and we're like, I want you to pray to set me free. Let's say we go to Bill's So Free weekend, right? And, and you come up to the altar and Bill's, you're like, I wanna set you free. And Bill said, well, I'm not gonna take the bread that's meant for the children and throw it to you, a dog. I mean, how are you gonna respond to that, right? I mean, our, and now, nowadays we're gonna get feisty. The feisty side of Becca Greenwood would begin to rise up, right? But the reality is this woman did not allow that to deter her. She heard the hope in Jesus's voice with the term that he used that even like a common household pet, there was that term of affection. So what does she do in verse 28? She says, yes, Lord, but even the dogs under the table eat the children's bread. And so here she had more faith than the Pharisees, right? She had more faith and honor toward who Jesus was than and those who have been praying for the Messiah to come. And so what does he do? He wasn't supposed to be releasing miracles to the Gentiles, but that's exactly what he did. He honored her faith. He honored her honor, and she received the fullness of a reward along with her daughter. She did not become offended, but she kept pressing in to what God could give her because she was showing honor to him. I wanna to read to you this statement. Honor flowed in the midst of her desperation, and she and her daughter received a full reward. How many of us have been in desperate situations? And how many of us have been in desperate situations where it's not easy to show honor, right? But if we learn in that place to reflect honor to the Lord in a right way, lining up with his word of God, then we can watch God move on our behalf and we will receive a full reward. Can I give you another example? David got it. (laughs) I read about David and Saul during a very difficult time in my season. This is where I'm gonna get transparent, okay? Is that all right? And I think this is going to help some of you. And I'm going to even get it down, you know, as much time as if I have time with families and workplace. But um, I wasn't, how many of you have been in seasons where maybe people have said false things about you? How many of you, have, uh, and that's, that's been a difficult season, right? I know I'm asking, I'm being transparent. And there is a time where I was in this season where I was being falsely accused. Uh, there was a time um, in this season, where I was actually even being accused of, oh, she has a Jezebel spirit. Just because you're a confident woman doesn't mean you have a Jezebel spirit. Okay, <laughs> but literally, <laughs> and so it was a very difficult season for me. And um, the Lord had me reading Watchman Knee's book, Spiritual Authority, through this entire season, and it talks about David and Saul. And I, and in the and what happened with David and Saul? We know that David was the favored, right? He's killed Goliath. He became, you know, the favored, the leader in the army. And we know that Saul became jealous, and so David then had to run for his life. So from the ages of 16, To 30, David lost everything that had meant anything to him. His family, his possessions, his position, relationship with his best friend, Jonathan. You know, he had already been anointed to be king, right? He knew who he was supposed to be. And here we have David that for 14 years, he lost everything. And so then we know what happened. He ends up in this situation in a cave with Saul, right? And they're armed, David and his men are armed and, Saul and them don't, Saul's men, they're unarmed, they're going to sleep. They don't know David and them are in there. Now, David's friends are like, this is your chance. Take this man out because Saul wanted to kill David, right? And so he and so David's like I can't do that. So he took opportunity and he cut the corner right of Saul's robe. Guys, it says in the word of God even when he did that, he felt guilty and and his con for and you know, he felt guilty and his conscience was suffering because just even cutting that part of the robe. But then he decided, "Hey, I'm going to use this opportunity." And I am going to read this part of the scripture, 1 Samuel 24, verses 9 through 12. And he said to Saul, Why do you listen when men say, David has been unharming you? This day you have seen with your own eyes how the Lord delivered you into my hands in the cave. Some urged me to kill you, but I spared you. I said, I will not lay my hand on the Lord because he is the Lord's anointed. See, my father, look at this piece of your robe in my hand. I cut off the corner of your robe, but did not kill you. See that there is nothing in my hand to indicate that I am guilty of wrongdoing or rebellion. I have not wronged you, but you are hunting me down to take my life. May the Lord judge between you and me and may the Lord avenge the wrongs you have done to me. but my hand will not touch you that took a lot of honor that took a lot of self-control And we know Saul's response. He says, you are more righteous than I. You have treated me well, but I have treated you badly. So you would think, right, this would be the end, right? But then we end up in another situation where Saul starts to come after David again. And this time he brings 3,000 of his warriors, right, with him. And when he comes and he brings 3,000 of these warriors with him, you know, they end up falling in this deep sleep. And David was told about it. And he ends up going into this cave, going into, not the cave, but where they were resting again with his friend Abishai. And Saul was laying next to Abner, like the leader of the army that could really, you know, you know, protect Saul. And, you know, he's wanting David again. This is your opportunity. And David, because he knew that even though Saul had lost favor with God, he was still God's anointed and it wasn't David's to deal with him. And so David again refuses, right, to touch him. He takes his, his spear and he takes his jug and he leaves and he calls out to them, hey, look what I've got. And they wake up again and he's like, see, I have not harmed you again. And he goes through this whole scene. And so after this, we, you know, we know what happens that Saul ends up fighting in a battle and he ends up losing his life. But listen to the reward that David gets. Psalm 89, verses 35 through 37. Once for all, I have sworn by my holiness and I will not lie to David that his line will continue forever and his throne endure before me like the sun. It will be established forever like the moon, the faithful witness in the sky. Wow, great reward, right? So let me get personal. (laughs) In this season, Um, that I was going through. I went to the Lord. It was hurtful. And I went to the Lord and I began to pray, God, what do I do? And the Lord said, the Lord spoke to me and he said, you begin to pray for that person and pray blessing, pray for those who persecute you, right? So I started doing that. (laughs) And I'm going to be real honest. Sometimes when I share this, when I'm teaching, people ask the question, did that feel good? And can I be really real? No, it didn't at first. I didn't want to do it. It didn't feel good. I'm like, God, I am doing this out of total obedience to you. These are false accusations. This isn't true. And the Lord, and, and the Lord said, pray for those who persecute you. And so I did. And then the, my heart began to soften. And then friends, he took it a step further. He said, not only pray for them, but pray that my heart, pray that you will have my heart for those people, that you can love them as I love them. (laughs) And, you know, and I wanted to. I really did. But was that hard? Let's get really real. Yeah. And so I sat in my prayer closet and I said, God, help me love them with your heart. God, I forgive. Help me love them with your heart. And after a few days of praying, God began to impart his heart to me. So much so that if I see that person in the room today or those people, I am still so overcome with love that I want to rush up to them and embrace them and show them how much I love them and I have to hold myself back because they're gonna think I'm strange for wanting to do that. God took it a step further. Don't even just pray for my heart for them that you love them. Then he said, begin to send them gifts of blessing. So I began to send anonymous gifts. I began to send cards. I began to send cards with prophetic words. I began to send, you know, flowers and chocolate and just whatever the Lord told me to do. And so I wasn't even looking, friends, none of this was done looking for anyone to ever come back and say, I'm sorry. By that point, it didn't even matter, right? But the reality is after a point of time, there was one confrontation where this person looked at me and said, I need to say I'm sorry because what I have said about you is wrong. I labeled you incorrectly. And I looked at them and they said, can you forgive me? I said, not a problem, I forgave you over a year ago. Thank you, I love you. And we became friends and had relationship. See, God wants us to understand kingdom principle of honoring so we can walk in the fullness of his reward, right? You good? He wants us to honor those in civil authority. I'm not going to land on some of these really long. There are other ones I want to. So he wants us to honor by paying taxes. You know, I love in the Word of God where Jesus sent Peter, you know, to find the fish, to pay his taxes. I tell the Lord every day, I want my fish, right? <laughs> we want to obey the laws. We understand this. We want to honor and pray for our governmental leaders, right? Right? So we want to honor those in civil authority. We want to honor those as social leaders, those in the marketplace, teachers, firemen, policemen. We want to honor social leaders, okay? And then I want to land on this one. We want to honor in our home. I know Jade's been doing a series. I haven't even listened to the whole series, so I might be repeating even some ideas of what he has said. I've listened to some. I've listened to two on the podcast, and it was really awesome. Have y'all been enjoying it? Yeah. And so we understand that we want to honor husbands to wives and wives to husbands. How many of you know who Smith Wigglesworth is? Yeah. And do you know that before he walked with the Lord, he was not a nice man in any way, shape or form. And so he literally tried to forbid his wife, Polly from going and attending church, but she refused. She still continued to go. And there was one time, have you heard this story that she literally came home so late from the service, it upset him and he locked her out of the house. Wow. That's not honoring, is it? Now, men don't do that, all right? And women, you don't do that either, right? Don't test your spouse. Don't take this example and go home and test each other. But she remained faithful, and she continued to pray for him, and she continued to press in for him. And look at the incredible honor that came, amen? Look at the reward that came. He was one of the, the most, the lead revivalist of his time, healings, salvations, deliverances, Amen. We have to learn to have a culture of honor within our homes. Children are to honor parents. Amen. Everybody, all the parents say amen. <laughs> you know, and I'm just speaking to you, young people in the room. And I know that I'm preaching to the choir because we have great young people. But you know, no disrespect. We want to honor our parents. We want to walk with them. We want to show them that we honor and that we respect them. And parents were to honor our children. I've got a great book out on this, Let Our Children Go, on how to raise our children. Matter of fact, the prayer that was read this morning is from that book, The Blessing Prayer, Let Our Children Go. And so uh, we want to honor our children. We want to show them the Father's love. We want to have them in the word of God. We want to teach them who they are in the Lord, right? We all know this. We want to love, 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 love. We don't want to demean and belittle them. And when we do, we want to be willing to come back and say, I'm sorry I overreacted and let them see the humility of the Lord in us. We want to learn how to honor, I'm saying this, those of us who are leaders in the room, I'm going to start here. And I got about 10 more minutes. Are you guys okay? As leaders, we want to honor those that God has entrusted to us. We want to look at people that God has entrusted to us as blessings. We want to see them go further and farther in what God has for them than he has ever taken us. Amen? Amen. He wants us to not use our vision so they can serve us, but use the vision to empower them. Amen? So God wants leaders to honor those that he has entrusted. You know, I love Peter Wagner. He, he told me, um, darling, the other day, I hope you go further and farther and higher than I ever have. Uh, he, I do a lot of teaching at Wagner Leadership Institutes and he was teaching at a new school not too long ago and he, um, and he had about 70 in his class and he said, now I'm looking at the schedule and Becca Greenwood is coming next to teach and she's one of my spiritual daughters and he said, I want this class to be bigger than it was for me and I'm gonna call and get the report to make sure that it was. So I've had 70. 70 here. I want to see her have 90 to hundred here. And so the, and, and he told me that I did. He told me that he said that I was like, Peter. And he goes, well, I want you to go further than I have. And I got there that week to teach. And guess what? There were over hundred there in that room. And so, you know, the reality is we want to see people. We want to see maturity and depth grown in people that they can go further and farther and higher and deeper than we ever have. That is the role of a leader. You cannot be in ministry if you don't like people. You cannot be a leader if you don't like people. Why are you in it if you don't? Amen? We also have to honor Christian and ministry leaders. Now, I'm not saying put leaders on an idol. And, I mean, make them an idol, put them on a platform, or, you know, make them, you know what I'm saying, don't worship them. Because people do that sometimes. We're people too. <laughs> but we want to show respect, Amen? So can I ask a few questions about this? All right? So when we honor and respect leaders, when, um, when, they're, do we, when they call special meetings, do we do our best to come, right? What are our motives? Do we want to be with that leader because God has called us to be with this leader, to partner together in the kingdom of God? Or are our motives, we're, we're with that leader because of what we can get out of that to position ourselves? Amen? So, see, the Lord wants us to come into a place where we are honoring one another in the way that the Lord would have us honor, with pure motives and with his heart. Is Sarah here? Oh, there you are. Do you mind coming and playing? I also want to say this. Are you guys okay? I'm not going to get through all the points. The Lord also wants us to honor one another. He wants us to learn to honor our peers, He wants us, now I'm not talking about, hear me, if you're with somebody and they're asking you to do something against the word of God or sinful or or illegal, even in your business or with other leaders, are you supposed to do that? No. Can I come down for a little bit? Oh, thank you, Jesus. Praise God for the video, but ah. But the Lord wants us to learn how to honor one another. He wants us to learn how to prefer others better than ourselves. He wants us to learn how even with our peers when when there are issues that are going on, how to respond to them in truthfulness but yet in a culture of honor. Amen. So Joe, can I use you as the guinea pig, right? Worship was great today, by the way. Woohoo. Yeah. But you know, here let's let's say this. Let's say that Joe and I have had a difference, right? And let's say that we've had a differing of opinion. And, but let's say, and let's say that you don't do this. This is not prophetic in any way, shape, or form. But let's say that Joe gets offended, right? And then he decides, well, instead of coming back to me saying, can we work through this? What he then does is—he this is not true in any way, shape, or form—but that he goes to Betty, right, and he says something to Betty, and then he decides, you know, uh, you know, well, with Betty, you know, um, and let's say, let's say with Betty, let's say this. This would be really nice if you did this anyway. I'm sorry, teasing. Let's say Betty says, you know, I know Becca, and I know her heart. Her heart doesn't reflect that action. You know, so why don't you go back and process that with her? Instead of, wow, she really did that? And let's say, okay, she responds that way, right? And then let's say that Joe's like, well, I didn't get the response that I want. This is not prophetic in any way, shape or form. And, And tell me your name again, sweetheart, I'm sorry. Nick, oh Lord, I need to be here more because I'm missing learning new people. So let's say Joe goes to Nick. And he goes to Nick and he says, you know, Becca did this, we had this disagreement. And let's say Nick does the same thing. You know, I know no one's perfect, and but I know her heart, let's say we're friends. And that's not what she's portrayed to me. Maybe how she handled this wasn't the best, but you know, I believe in her heart. So why don't you go back and talk to her about that again? Do you hear that? Do you hear that honor?" Because what happens is the enemy will try to bring dishonor and division in that way. But if we learn to put a shield up as we live in community for each other, as we learn to put a shield up, because we are community, we are family, you know, right? I like Hank Bond. I think Hank Bond rocks, right? If someone comes to me and says something about Hank, my first response is gonna be, man, I love Hank. I love his heart. I love who he is in the kingdom. You just need to go back and process that with him. Amen? It's called a culture of honor with our peers and with our friends. It's called not allowing a culture of dishonor, not allowing a culture of division, not allowing offense. And I'm not saying you guys are doing this, but I, I just felt real impressed from the Lord. These are nuggets of truths that we have learned within our walk of how to keep unity going, how to keep unity flowing, how to keep that sense of togetherness and community and one, amen? Honoring each other, preferring others better than ourselves. You know, when Betty gets the prophetic word that morning, right? And what she does incredibly, me as a prophet, not sitting there going, why does she always get the word? But praying and agreeing and blessing it with her. God, I thank you for that anointing. Give her more, give her more, give her more. When we respond that way, Guess what? We get a good reward and our anointing and our giftings increase, amen? Honoring our spouse, honoring our children, honoring our peers. When we do this, we're honoring God. It's not about the person, it's about God. Remember, we're in a kingdom not a democracy. <laughs> I'm going to share this and then we're going to pray. Um, when we went to work with Eddie and Al Smith, woo, we were young. You know how old Rebecca and Katie were? They were like four months old, right? And, and literally, guys, we had, that, we had no clue. They said, we want you to come to work for us full-time in ministry, but we have no clue if you're going to get a paycheck. And we're like, okay. We were young, right? 27, 28, three babies. We can promise insurance, but we can't promise a paycheck. Okay. We were so hungry for God. And Alice called me and she said, how are you doing? Because Greg starts in a week. And I said, I'm so excited. I was so full of faith, right? Right. And she said, well, I'm glad to hear your faith. She said, I'd like for you, she goes, it would be nice if you'd just be maybe a little bit nervous, just a little bit with me about this. This is a big step of faith for Eddie and I as well. And friends hear me, I thought, my goodness, here's my spiritual mom, where's her faith, right? And I'm like, but God said, so he'll provide. And she said, right, but we really, we have to pray into this, we gotta fast, we gotta pray, we gotta press in And, and, and I didn't understand, right? When we started Christian Harvest and two years into the ministry, I was up one night and I began praying and the Lord placed Alice on my heart. And I understood because here I was the one fasting and praying, contending, We need the resources for everything that you've called us to do. God, we need the resources to be able to pay those who are helping us. God, we need the resources. And the Lord brought her back to mine. And He brought back that conversation that I had forgotten about. And I said, I get it now, Lord, because now I'm in the position that she was in. I picked up the phone at seven o'clock the next morning called her on the cell phone because it was eight o'clock her time, and I knew it would be okay to call after eight o'clock. Still honoring her boundaries. Don't call me in the middle of the night. Call me at eight o'clock or after. Honor, 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 She picked up the phone. She goes, hey, how are you? I'm crying. She said, what's wrong? And I said, I want to say thank you. And she said, thank you for what? I said, do you remember when you hired Greg and I, you and Eddie, And we had this conversation, and she said, yes. And I said, I now understand. I want to say thank you. I honor the price that you paid. Every traveling ministry trip that you took, not only because God wanted you to, but to ensure that everybody was taken care of, thank you for all those books that you wrote, for all the seminars that you did, for those nights you were up in prayer and fasting, thank you, I now understand. I honor you. Thank you for the price that you paid for me. God wants us to be a people of honor, amen? Honoring each other, honoring those who have gone before, honoring our peers, honoring the house. Amen. So I want everybody to stand. I'm sorry I came down. I know I supposed to. I do better down here. Do you know that? So Lord, I thank you for the privilege to walk with you and to partner with you. Lord, we thank you that you are a God that deserves all honor and glory that, Lord, our lives, Lord, how we live, how we respond to one another, how we handle situations, God, and how we move in the kingdom principle of honoring, Lord, is in fact honoring you. So, Lord, I thank you that any and every place in our life where we need to step into a higher measure of honor, God that we say yes, here we are. Lord, show us those areas in our lives, Lord, how we can maneuver, Lord, with your with honor the kingdom principle of honor, Lord. <laughs> that we can step into the fullness of reward, Father God. Lord, I pray for each person in this room. Lord, I just thank you. I just sense, and I know I said this earlier, those that are going through suddenlies that look like you, they're looking like what you didn't think they would look like. Lord, I thank you that you encourage them and strengthen them. Lord, in these situations, Father God, that they will honor, 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 Lord, in a kingdom way that even if they don't see the fullness of the reward in that situation, that they will see it in the next place that you take. Take them to. Lord, may we establish a culture of honor that reflects you and that prefers others better than ourselves. Lord, I thank you for each person in this room. I speak your kingdom blessing over each of them, Father God. (laughs) Lord, that everything you have destined for their lives will come to completion and will come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. I know that you're gonna close, but I think it would be good for the team, altar team to come up, and if there are any areas that people feel like, you got it? you I'll quit being mom. You got it. All right. Yeah, that any place that people maybe feel like they need to get in a situation right, that they can come up and receive prayer. Amen. I love you guys. Thank you for being our church family. You rock. You're amazing. I brag about you all over the world. I love all of you very, very, very much.